Welcome to Season 2 of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. This season is dedicated to interviews with mayoral and city council candidates running for the city of Powell River within the Cothed region during the 2022 municipal election. Here's your host, Aaron Reed. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. Joining me today for this episode is Jason Highgard. Jason is running for the position of councillor for the city of Powell River in the October 15th, 2022 municipal election. I've taken this from Jason's website. I want to take an active role in keeping our community secure, prosperous, and beautiful. I will accept the responsibility to listen and consider the perspectives and needs of the community and represent those values in all decisions. I have the aptitude and motivation to lead, listen, and positively collaborate to ensure that the wishes, needs, and rights of our citizens are effectively and efficiently achieved. I am a veteran. I am educated and experienced as a civil military cooperation liaison sergeant, engaging with key leaders in communities foreign and domestic, facilitating dialogue in very intense political and social environments. I believe my background has given me the skills and knowledge to cooperate positively and effectively in difficult city matters. I've felt the calling to rise to action again in service to the community. I'm ready to contribute with integrity and enthusiasm for the leadership of this great city of Powell River. Please join me in welcoming Jason Highgard. Welcome Jason Highgard to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I thought if you wouldn't mind starting off just telling me a little bit about yourself, like where you were born, where you grew up, your childhood, that kind of thing. I was born uh, in Winnipeg and uh, lived on the northern edge of the city and then outside of the city for most of my upbringing until I'd, uh, after high school, I left and went full-time in the military. Oh, wow. Okay. What made you decide to go that route? In school, I had met a friend who was in Air Cadets and talked about space camp, so that piqued my interest when I was young. And then uh, from there, I ended up from Air Cadets. And then uh, in Air Cadets, I got interested in the Army Cadets side of things. And then from there, that's where that developed. Okay. So how much time did you spend in the military? I was in for 18 years until I retired. Wow. Impressive. What kind of things did you do, if you don't mind my asking? My trade was infantry to begin with, and then I specialized later on in other kind of side trades. So I was infantry, which was foot soldier, and then worked my way up through the ranks. And I did uh, my first tour in Bosnia with Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Hmm. And I came back, and I still was working regular force and uh, doing exercises and training. And then uh, that contract was up, and I chose at that time to go to the reserves part-time and pursue education and other career and did that for a while and then I went back to full-time and then back to part-time and in between uh, full-time and part-time reserve and rig force contracts I'd either be going to school or I'd be doing another occupation or um, apprenticeship and something just to diversify uh, my possibilities of having a stable civilian career and income source for my whole life right whereas my military skills were quite specific at the lower levels when I was first starting out the only thing I could really transfer over to transferable skills was into um, <clears throat> law enforcement and security. So I didn't really want to work in that forever. So I made sure to diversify my skills to be able to uh, work with the civilian world. Okay. So what, then, what other work have you done then? I was an apprentice auto mechanic for Daimler Chrysler at the time. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I've done some apprentice carpentry and worked as a uh, site carpenter for a developer in Surrey years ago, uh, doing the 34 houses, I think, uh, was on that. Um, there was other carpentry gigs and uh, contracts that led up to that major position. 
Uh, I left that to go on to back to a military instructional role <laughs> with the military police at that time. And then back towards the army, so like full infantry army instruction and teaching um, to all the land force trades, their uh, leadership uh, and battle school courses. <laughs> wow. Way past my, my skill level. <laughs> teaching boot camp is basically what I was doing. There. Right. Yeah. Okay. I could use that. How did you come to be in Powell River? I was interested in real estate on Savory Island years ago, and I'd traveled up a couple of times, and I'd stayed here a bit. And then a few years I had an opportunity to come back because of change of careers and such, and I was having to move anyways. So I was originally thinking of Vancouver and going to art school, but I decided not to do that and just stay here in Powell River instead. And uh, I got involved in some arts collective. An arts collective was a kaleidoscope collective at the time, and then I opened the uh, adjoining um, art gallery called Space next to Kaleidoscope Collective. And then uh, that kind of wound up and shut down, and then I didn't do anything with that for a while. And um, last year I started up again with a business partner. We started up uh, Amplitude Arts in the old Rodmay, <laughs> in the the old. Um, storefront that's in the corner okay. with all the glass right across from the entrance to the mill so it's a beautiful location and we wanted to grab that location and hold on to it and uh, foster some kind of arts collective to start yeah and that's now happened uh it's called the wishing well and uh catnip stefan fogarty he's in charge of that now he's managing it and curating that space cool so i'm just a member now and uh hands off the management side <laughs> yeah which neighborhood is it that you settled in with empower river I started uh, as renting a house in uh, Westview, and then uh, I was living in Cranberry, and then now I, uh, for the last couple of years, almost three now, I've owned a acreage in Wildwood on Taku, oh. in the woods, a nice quiet place. So that would be why you chose that neighborhood, just for the for the peace, I would assume. It just kind of worked out that way with what was on the market at the time, and what was you no, know, yeah, it just it worked out amazing. I'm very happy to be there. Good. So, what are your favorite places to spend time in the city? I do like spending a lot of time in my own backyard. It's a very nice, quiet, wooded area, and I have a teepee there, that uh, one that I keep, um, I maintain for the Métis Nation mm. locally. And uh, that one's strictly for cultural and ceremonial use, but I got attached to it, having it there in the yard, and I heard it may travel and go elsewhere. So I wanted one for myself, so I bought a second one, and I've set up a space like that, that I, a multi-use uh, studio space. It's a 22-foot teepee. Wow. A lot of time to relax down back there. Um, I'll enjoy spending time at uh, Moat Bay. I take my dog down to the back side of the bay there to swim where they're allowed to. Right. Yeah, and uh, I've got a yacht moored at Beach Gardens, and I like taking that around the local areas, uh, just kind of island hopping on the way up to uh, Desolation Sound and back, little day trips. Beautiful. So what the heck made you decide to put your name in for city council? I've been watching it pretty closely, and I've always had uh, interest in municipal politics. Um, when I was a CIMIC operator, a uh, civil military cooperator in the armed forces, uh, that's uh, it's kind of a it's a cooperation, obviously, the military operating within any area to go and liaise with all the key players in in a municipal area and get a feel for the community and report back to our units and that like what's going on, who's who in the community, and what are the big happenings, and how that fits into our plan as a, a force, a peacekeeping force, usually, or um, if it's domestically, it would be uh, aid to civil power and emergency response and liaising and coordinating uh, efforts to support that. Okay. And what issues are top of mind for you as we go into this election? The mill site's a big one. There's so many things that are attached to that that 
the environmental and the financial side and the business and just all that tied to that one site also with the the heritage of originally who was there with Kalaman and uh, T-Squat being there so and how that all comes together into the future of that site of how much will change one way or another how much will stay industrial how much can be remediated if possible and just being a part of that process of that anchor well the whole town is there because of the mill it was built for mill employees to live right. and then the rest of the town expanded to provide services to the mill employees and then now that first step there is gone and it's where does it go from here and there's so many different ways to look at that and so many angles and i wanted to be at the table there to uh, be a part of that decision making process and ensuring that uh, the residents of the area and all around surrounding area not just the city are uh, affected by this mill issue and uh, to see if we can get some kind of consensus on how to move forward so most people are happy with it but there's just there's so many layers to it it's very complex and it's going to take some time mm -hmm. is there anything else that's kind of on the forefront for you that you you're interested in well i'm interested in supporting the arts with having the art galleries being part of the arts collective so with uh, the looming budget crunch and mm -hmm. uh, things like that the arts is uh, the arts community is very concerned because historically you've seen in other places and maybe in here as well um, when the budget gets thin the arts gets cut uh, I don't want to see that happen because the the arts is necessary especially in hard times to keep the morale up for people and something to do and a continuation a continuation of uh, culture so we don't have a break in that uh, we've got so much going on and it's such an attraction for tourism when people come into our many festivals that we have musically and theatrically yeah just um, I'd like to see more of that happening and working together with arts and tourism and having not just attractions that bring people from out of town but also what do people in town want to see through in between those festival seasons and such so we can keep the uh, small businesses open all year and not just be seasonal if possible or some way that they transition through seasonally and supporting uh, entrepreneurship and keeping uh, the money here in our economy and not having it dribble out to major corporations that set up big box stores here and such. Right. Are there certain strengths that you possess that you feel would be helpful to have in council chambers? When there's a contentious issue and it gets heated and emotional, I like to kind of step back a little bit and watch it from the broader sense. And uh, instead of focusing on the sore points so much is remind people of like how much there is in common and there is a common goal even if there's disagreement on how to achieve that goal or what that the achievement of that goal may look like the outcomes may be very different that people want but through discussion and consensus uh, in the past i've seen it happen that people aren't fully fully satisfied with what they got but they're pretty happy that okay they understand that they're not with their certain interest and outcome that they'd like to achieve that they'd understand that there are other people that want different outcomes or they want the same outcome but they want different ways to get there they want choice right. instead of being told what to do or at least if it's coming down to one final decision for everyone then at least be involved in that process and be or not involved if just informed just asked maybe right. people, yeah it's that um 
getting out and networking and finding out from the population that doesn't really speak up too much who may be okay with things or just may not want to talk about it and kind of has a distaste for politics overall. Mm. There's many reasons that why uh, people don't vote. Um, I believe the last election was uh, 54% non-voter. So there's all sorts of reasons why people don't vote and don't participate. Right. Okay. I'd like to see that change. And I think we may see a higher voter turnout for this one with people having spent more time at home to read and watch YouTube videos and get involved <laughs> and see what's going on with the webcasts of the city. And I think there's more interest now than there was previously to our pandemic when people have had some time to read. Right. Okay. And how do you work through conflict? Because often if we get that array of people at the table that, I mean, most electors want to see, uh, conflict often arises. So how do you deal with conflict? That depends on the situation and uh, the dynamics of the people in the room at that time. Okay. So our youth aren't able to vote. Um, however, they are an important part of our community. Uh, we have little for them to do outside of sports, arts, and outdoor activities. And many teens aren't into those things. Do you have any ideas of ways we can address the lack of spaces for teens and young adults and support them better? You have to ask the... Uh, teens and youth and young adults about what they are looking for um, it's fine for us to sit in uh, an office somewhere and with our experience over the years and our chronological age and such <laughs> as it happens to kind of lose what what it once was to be young like that and not exactly know all the answers but have a desire to, of a destination and no, no idea how to get there and it seems to be a quite a daunting task um, I've had um, a few different tradespeople in the town asked me and suggest that uh, apprenticeship programs, they'd like to see more of that. And uh, that's something that, uh, yeah, it piqued my interest. I'm like, yes, that's good. If we can get the youth interested in apprenticing and working within the community in uh, an area that we need skills and build those skills, and uh, especially for education, if the youth can have their education and continue to have their social connections here and not have to leave to go to a university. Although many youth want to do that. They want that experience, obviously, to travel. But to also have the options here for those who want to stay connected to the community, don't want to leave, they want to take their schooling here, possibly maybe have to leave to go do a small portion of it away and then come have a job to actually come back to that's going to pay a fair wage so they're going to be able to support a family. Have you read the 94 Calls to Action put out by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada? And how do you think our city is doing with regards to truth and reconciliation? The city's working on it. They haven't all been addressed. And it'll be an ongoing process. And uh, to get all of them, that's a, it's quite a goal. Uh, eventually, that's what I'd like to see. Myself, uh, growing up Métis, uh, but in the city as well, urban and connected to the country, living on the edge of the city. Having a, a different view of indigenous and colonial cultures. Mm -hmm. Being Métis of kind of one foot in each world and not fully accepted in either mm. sometimes. Depending on your appearance and in the context of your company, who you'd be identified with, which side, and constantly that division of your own identity trying to figure that out. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
So one major concern of many electors is rising taxes. Do you have any ideas on how taxation could be held without cutting services? I think the only way that we could really achieve that without cutting services is, and it'll take time, is to attract the proper industry and business that are going to contribute to this community. But I don't see that happening right away. It's going to take a while. We might not see one piece of that pie come together over time. But bridging that gap for that uh, tax income, that's going to take a lot of creative thinking on what to do. And cuts to services, I think there may be some moving of budgets this way and that and uh, reallocation of resources or something like that. But I'd have to see that when I see the data and the reports. And I would definitely trust the advice of the staff and what they come up with and the subject matter experts that are consulted, the opinion of the people and the subject matter experts that they identify with and receiving information from the public from various sources, as well as going out and retrieving that myself and following up on my own investigative and reading and the, yeah, and it takes a lot, a lot of talking, a lot of researching, a lot of going out and finding the answers. So if I'm asked a question and I don't have the answer, to chase that answer down. Sorry. <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's me, uh, duck squad next door. So the proposed spending for the new emergency services building is another contentious topic right now. Where do you stand on the emergency services building? That fire hall needs replacement. It does. And the longer we wait, like heard from many sources and opinions that longer we wait is going to cost more and more and more it should have been addressed way long ago and it's been pushed off and pushed off and i think that may be due to in this community for so long because of the mill and the taxes and the high incomes that and this is an isolated place and you've been other places and seen similar things for similar size and you look how is this little almost island community have such abundance of services and it's uh, almost like this community for a very long time has had an artificially inflated standard of living mm -hmm. and with that large piece of revenue gone that's very difficult to maintain that standard of living without some increase somewhere so increasing revenue or from industrial taxes or that has to be spread out through the remainder of taxpayers business and residents it's just how it's going to have to work out right. um people are going to be very unhappy about it have lots of complaints uh, hard decisions are going to have to be made and it's not going to be fun it's where i've been in situations where there's very intense debates that happen and uh, it's hard to stay on focus of what the real objective is. And it gets too personal at times. And then it can cause a breakup of negotiations. Or, and then we have to wait and then do it again. Um, yeah, I'd like to see what happens. I am optimistic because of uh, the way that this campaign's gone. Mm -hmm. It's been fairly nice. Um, very civil comparatively to other situations I've seen before, of course. Um, this is doing pretty well. Um, I've been getting good feedback so far. That seems pretty good. I'm optimistic that we can actually get things done. There'll be hard decisions made. Most people will probably understand that, that they have to, things have to change. And 
I'll be listening to Creative Solutions and trying to uh, convey the message of like what boundaries and limitations that uh, the municipal government has, um, where we have influence and where we don't. If we don't have influence, what we can advocate, what avenues do we have to make sure that we're heard as a municipality to the higher levels and uh, get the appropriate funding that we need to continue our infrastructure projects and just keep operating as a city. Affordable housing is another big issue. Do you feel like City Council has a role to play in helping with the affordable housing issue? I think City Council can, because the city does hold land, and that's a big part of the cost. So we'll see how that goes when we explore that. I'm pretty sure, uh, whether, well, whether I'm elected or not, the next coming council is going to be exploring that in great detail. But I think that's a good idea that um, forming a, uh, a housing authority and uh, the city using their land to actually get housing built and the city controls that housing. Uh, that's a big project yeah. and it's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And things, they'll be learning mistakes and we'll see what happens, but uh, to look at other communities that have done so and uh, learn from their experience. And then the other thing that's on people's minds right now, significantly it seems, is the uptick in crime specifically, you know, the petty petty crimes and thefts and things like that. Do you feel like council has has some responsibility or role in that? Yes, uh, the council, when it comes to the health and the housing side of it, that coming under the province, uh, we, at least we can make sure that we advocate and choose and cooperate with the right projects for our area. There may be some projects that work elsewhere, and in theory they might work here, but there's always seeing if that shoe fits or not and being careful with how we plan things but then there's a, obviously that urgency there's that need and then bridging that with temporary measures is not always a good thing because i've seen in the past that temporary type situations end up becoming long-term and substandard and inadequate mm. okay um I don't, I don't like the temporary situations um Sometimes it's perceived that that turns into the solution, but it's really not. It's a short-term measure. Um, Long-term building and housing is definitely required. When it comes to the crimes and people doing the petty crimes to support whatever they're doing, harm reduction initiatives coming from the city and province, a lot of it is not so much as looking at the crime, but why the crime, just follow it back. It's like people are doing crimes to purchase something they absolutely believe that they need this something. They started this something to feel better about a bad situation. How did they get in this bad situation and why didn't they get support then? Mm. And what can be done to help people out if they want help? Some people don't. Most people probably do. Maybe not being helped and dragged along or pushed in a certain direction. But people, if help is available, people will take it when they're ready. And like I'm saying about preventative is trying to prevent people from falling into a situation where they feel hopeless and just fall down that rabbit hole. And then the last question I actually have for you is probably the most contentious one that everybody's been talking about lately, but that would be the name change situation. So how do you feel about the name change situation? Okay. Uh, when I first came to this town, I wanted to, I figured out, okay, well, who's Powell? So I looked it up and I found the name. I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm reading through it, and I'm like, oh, okay. 
that's interesting. I'm like, does anybody else know about this in town? So I asked a few people. And I'm like, mm, no, news to me. And it just seems like a lot of people didn't know anything about why this place was named Powell. So it kind of bewildered me why people were clinging to it. And I thought, it's well, if it's always been that way and you've always been here with it that way, that becomes, as you, you grow and develop, that's a part of your identity. Whether you knew about the actions of this person, the namesake, or you didn't, um, you can still be attached to it. So to just say name change and just strip somebody's identity away, and they're like, no, immediate reaction is no. Mm-hmm. And don't want to hear anything else. Just nope. The way the question could have been asked differently. Whereas, it, from what I understand, that Klahoman, the city, agreed to uh, discuss issues if they were requested and the name was requested as in quotations Powell that word being the sore spot there wasn't anything that I've heard officially that ever said it would have to be a Klahoman name and to the people in the culture of the city mostly being of European settler descent mm-hmm. or descendants of European settlers and having various European cultures it would make more sense that the people who represent the majority of the culture in the area would have an opportunity to put forward their choice of other names and move from there. And that didn't happen. It was just a yes, this is a yes or no. So um, the asking for a referendum on the name, I, I don't agree with that. I think that's very dismissive of our friends and neighbors and their feelings. It's almost like, do you... The vote would be, do you care about your neighbors, yes or no? Hmm. If you don't care about them, then don't change. If you care about them, then listen. You had the listening part, it's been said, the request has been made. Listen to it and then try and dig in and find out why and why it means what it means to have a name like that and how it's hurtful and how this is an opportunity for this city to take something that's is hurtful to some people and listen to them and hear and feel and go, okay, is there some something we can do? Well, that request there changed just that part, Powell. So no other options were really given or presented from what I understand. And if they were, maybe we'd be in a different situation now. Okay. It's like you can't take away someone's truck without offering them anything. Maybe if you offered a choice of three new trucks, <laughs> then it would have gone over better. Right. Hey, this is kind of silly, but... No. Yeah, just to boil it I get down. the analogy, though. Yeah. yeah. So we do still have some time left, and I'm through my questions. Was there anything that, that you want electors to know about you or, or your feelings on the election? Yeah, there's a lot of... We've uh, got a lot of contestants. Well, a lot of <laughs> contenders, right? Um, candidates. Yeah. So there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot of ways the vote could be split. It could be very close in some spots. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the new council is. And if I'm elected, I'd like to be constructive and positive. And if there is any division within, to try and bridge that and bring people together and take care of our primary concerns and get business done and don't devolve into squabbling over very black and white polar arguments but realize that we all live here together and it's best if we 
talk to each other and figure out a successful way forward instead of dividing it up and causing more yeah some more pain dragging out right dragging everything out longer is more painful so as fast as it could be resolved I know a lot of people want it resolved quickly so they can move on a lot of people want to take time to do it right so somewhere in there is going to be the balance and I believe it will happen it may take a long time I myself being Métis my great grandfather attended Indian residential school so I don't really like the actions of Powell and that side of things mm -hmm. I know in that day by the people that were of his culture and that he was regarded highly I suppose as a businessman and a leader in certain circles but had that a few dealings that weren't so favorable to some people there's a lot of ways to talk about that and how that happened and a lot of people really don't know how bad things were and choose not to explore those because it is an ugly thing that happened and it's unpleasant and nobody wants to admit to that really and say that their family ever had a part in it or their culture had a part in it and or deny it or there's many things that happened but it happened it wasn't nice we have an opportunity to correct it somewhat and in the future move forward positively and it'll definitely look good on the community as a whole if that happens and that's really good for our image as a city because if it keeps being divided it's not looking good for investors yeah all right all right well thank you so much for okay. your time and coming and joining me today in my unorthodox studio <laughs> and only one duck <laughs> and only one duck screamed at you <laughs> thank you like back home in wildwood <laughs> awesome thank you thank you for having me and that concludes this episode of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. I'd like to thank my guest today, Jason Highgard, for joining me on the podcast. If you're looking for more information on Jason, have a look at his website, jasonhighgard.ca. That's J-A-S-O-N-H-Y-G-A-A-R-D.ca. Until next time, this is Aaron Reed. Thank you for listening to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. For more interviews, visit coastalcurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Thanks again for listening.